90% of all scientists that have ever been alive are alive today. That's a lot of information, but don't panic. It's not an exact science. Hey, Shannon, how are you? Uh, doing pretty well. Just waiting for the severe weather to hit, you know, spring in Oklahoma. Yeah, y'all are finally going to get some severe weather. We had one little measly kind of rotating but the wrong way cell that <laughs> passed by here for a little bit. And uh, my wife and I got in the car and we went out and drove somewhere where we could get a little bit better view of it just because it's the only lightning we've seen in forever. Oh, yeah. It's been it's been a drought, literally and um, figuratively. This is the latest we've gone in Oklahoma without a tornado, period, since records have been kept, which is considered 1950. Yeah, it's been four months. Yeah, it's, un- yeah, and so everyone is, they, they keep warning everybody not to get lulled into security, because this also happened um, a few years ago, and it wound up being one of the top five tornado years, so, <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. They keep, um, I've been, everyone's been asking me, of course, constantly. And so they keep moving it kind of north and east of us. So hopefully we'll be out of the clear and nothing bad happens tomorrow. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, they keep moving it over into that not so great chase country where there's topography. Oh, yeah. Trees and topography. It's terrible. You're not going to find anything in St. Louis. You just got to, yeah, not yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's a, uh, I hate that I always answer about the weather. It seems really, you know, pedantic, but that's, you know, it's what I do is look outside either on the ground or in the sky. So, you know. <laughs> right. Well, and you're in Oklahoma, so it's generally interesting. Oh, uh, right. Exactly. Um, you know, I will say that I did get a new t-shirt <laughs> the other day. I should put this up on, on Twitter and it is a picture of a tornado and it says Oklahoma on the tornado. And it says, uh, Oklahoma, come for the weather, stay for the politics. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. So all of my friends from not here are getting that for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what have you been up to? Well, you know, I've been going through some debate of I don't actually own a personal laptop at the current point in time so i have a i have a laptop through my job yeah right yeah that seems uh, mm-hmm. you don't but, have a personal laptop really this seems unusual yeah i haven't uh pretty much since i finished grad school mm, okay uh, so i was using my work laptop but with increasing security and all of this thing uh, going on at work that's becoming less and less of an option to use it for anything other than strictly work things mm, gotcha okay. Uh, okay i do have you know an imac that i use at the house but i do travel and go to do things like look at broken magnetometers in oklahoma <laughs> oh yeah you'd be doing that a lot <laughs> yeah and so having you know just an ipad that you can use doesn't necessarily cut it when you're going somewhere to do hardware work. Mm-hmm. So I finally bought a personal laptop. <gasps> Are you kidding me? Okay, what'd you get? What'd you get? Uh, so I got a Lenovo ThinkPad. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I didn't tell you this before the show purposely. Oh my gosh. You did not. I don't even know. I don't even know who you are. 
Um, I'm supposed to be hosting this show with John Lehman. I don't know if you know where he is, <laughs> but if you could bring him back, like, that'd be great. Holy crap, man. <laughs> There's so many words I want to say that we can't because we're not an explicit podcast. <laughs> yeah. So what happened? Like, did they, did you fall down and hit your head or like, did you break it accidentally in the store and had to buy it? Uh, no. So I actually looked at what I primarily do that is not my day job. And it's primarily things like writing firmware for microcontrollers, which mostly happens on Windows, writing lab view programs, which happens on Windows, or doing CAD, which can happen on Mac or Windows. Wow. Uh, and what really came down to for me was the price breakdown this time. Oh. And and the feature set. So Mac finally priced you out, eh? Yeah. So this is a purchase for my company, which mm -hmm. is still a, a young company, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I don't want to go dishing out gobs of money. And for less than the price, about half the price of a maxed out MacBook Pro, which would have, you know, 16 gigs of RAM and a, a pretty okay video card. But the one I have for work, when I am driving two external 4K monitors, it gets pretty hot and noisy. <laughs> yes. Um, I bought a machine with 32 gigs of RAM, a terabyte SSD, a terabyte spinning drive for a RAID backup, uh, a really nice screen. A lot of ports, which the MacBook doesn't have. Yes, that is for sure. And it can drive, you know, two or three 4K screens with four gigs of video RAM. So, wow, I am seriously like I don't, I don't know what we're gonna do the rest of this podcast since aliens have taken over your body. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not here yet. Uh, it's 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 a custom build because I got it. Uh, specialized for doing CAD things, so higher-end components in some places and not in some of the others. Mm -hmm. okay. uh, so it'll be here probably in a couple of shows. This is so exciting. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I, I am fascinated to see how this experiment goes. I really am, too. Like, who are we? Like, I'm recording on my MacBook Pro right now. Like, what has happened? <laughs> you know, I said, I said when I started that... Uh, this is a beautiful laptop, but I never would have bought it for myself. And when it yeah. actually came down to plunk down my credit card, I, I didn't. Yeah, that is true. That is absolutely true. My gosh. Wow. It's like Freaky Friday. I mean, I've been eating a lot of chicken strips lately. I don't know if you've been eating tofu, but... Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's not a complete body swap. <laughs> no, but I, I am, you know, I'll probably keep an iMac around just because there are things I do on the Mac that I really love. Mm -hmm. Editing audio video is one of them. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Wow. Uh, but for a mobile, this seemed like the right choice. I'm fascinated to see what happens. What size screen is it? A 15. Okay. That seems to be a good size, I think. I, I used to have a 17, and I would love a 17 for LabVIEW and for CAD, but... Mm -hmm. Man, that doesn't fit in my bag. It's yes. Yeah, so <laughs> my husband just got a seventeen. I don't even want to talk about it. It's an HP, which was stupid, but whatever. He he didn't buy it for himself. He got it from work, and uh, it is massive. That is a massive computer. It is, and you know the other thing is, well, when I want to do Mac things, my big screen iPad Pro really is pretty much an iMac. Yeah, there you go. So. 
That's, wow. That seems to be my solution. And yeah, we'll see what happens. Yes, I am super But, but thank excited. you for joining us on Computer Talk. <laughs> Hey, that deserved it. That this probably deserves another five minutes. We're gonna have a whole show about like, <laughs> so like we're gonna record it when you actually get it in the box and open it up and start complaining about all the Windows stuff. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> no, be like, I hope you can hear me over the fan noise. <laughs> oh man, that's so true. <laughs> so uh, true. Oh, beautiful. I, I have already done some research on you know there are certain things in Mac that I really like. Spacebar preview. Uh, the way that some of my window snapping works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I didn't realize how automated all that stuff was on a Mac until I accidentally made the gesture to do it. And I was like, oh, this is nifty. <laughs> well, I found out there are some Windows programs that can do this, or more and more is getting baked into Windows oh, okay. as they go. Uh-huh. Um, the other convincing thing was I played with the Ubuntu subsystem. Ah, where you get okay. an honest to goodness bash or zsh there you go shell that okay. that was really nice the fact that i can keep my insane prompt that i spent hours and hours and hours customizing <laughs> there you go and that doesn't take up yeah. much space right oh no not at all yeah i didn't think so okay all right can't wait to hear about that i'm sure i'll hear you <laughs> screaming in rage or whatever from two states away but you know yeah, we'll see. So mm-hmm. great. And you know, that's kind of leading into what I think you want to talk about because in <laughs> in preparation for the show, all I all I was told was I'm going to interview you. <laughs> you know, I realize like we do a lot of these shows where it's just me interviewing you. You're gonna have to No, I don't know if I want you to turn the tables. It's fine. We'll just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> and uh that's part of what's been biting at me with this transition is the document management system Devon thing that I use primarily on Mac is not available on Windows. So I've been looking for other ways to manage documents related to all of the different uh, product development and consulting projects that I have going on. And this is why I want to interview you. Um, (laughs) So, I mean, we talk about, obviously, I mean, if you've listened to us at all, I'm very obsessed with like productivity stuff, mostly because I'm not productive. And so I'm obsessed with like the tools that I need to make me productive, which is all a lie, I realize, but you know, bear with me. (laughs) Um, But what I started realizing now that I'm more of an adult is that I have these big long-term things I want to manage. So not just like the everyday, how do you manage your calendar? Because I've, I've got that pretty down. I've got my own version of bullet journal that does not look like anything like Pinterest bullet journals, okay? <laughs> but I've got that down pretty good. But it's these long-term things that I'm having trouble getting a hold of. And, and I mean, most of my projects are sort of, well, right now, focused on class development and so it's this really amorphous thing kind of but it's long term and so right now I'm getting geared up to go to field camp and I'm sort of you know taking over more and more of the responsibilities of the actual camp not just the actual class but the running of the camp and so I don't have a good way to keep all of the things I need to do like running up to camp going because it's going to be the same thing every year so I'd like to get a good system that's not just a calendar but 
you know, I've heard you and I've talked about before, you know, the stuff with the sticky notes and everything like that. And I just wanted to talk about project management as opposed to just general productivity, even though obviously they are going to dovetail somewhat. They are. And I know I I hear some of you saying, but this is a geology show. (laughs) And I want to emphasize that when you are doing geology, when you are collecting data, it is what we're going to talk about today and then some, because not only do you have field notes, do you have some data, you know, strike and dips or geochemistry data or well log data, um, but you also have physical samples that you have to keep track of in some system and make sure things don't get mixed up. And then it somehow put it all together into one grand coherent picture or geophantasmogram. Right, exactly. Um, you know, I thought about this when we talked to Corey Scheip because he does just this as a geologist, right? I mean, geophysicist, whatever, it's all the same thing. These people put together these big field campaigns and that's, you know, even bigger project management. And I mean, this includes all the geophysicists we've talked about that have done cruises and everything too, you know, those are huge things. And once you get there, you better not have forgotten anything, right? (laughs) Yeah. If you're in the middle of the ocean doing a drilling project, you don't want to realize that you left an instrument sitting on shore <laughs> 20 days steam back. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you could just send your carrier penguin, but, you know, they're not very good. And <laughs> Right. <laughs> so, so yeah. And so this is sort of, um, you know, we talk about computers. And so this is also where I struggle because I know you've done a lot of decision making and organizing on paper, too. So I don't know how much... With your company getting super spend up, if you're moving more digital, or do you still like paper, or, you know, like, you've got this project, it's three months long, where do you start? Right, and three months, I will say, it would be a shorter project. Okay, me. that's fine, then let's do six months, that's better so, for me. I mean, there are some projects, we just had a project that from initial contact to wrap up and delivery of the final report was about six or seven days. Oh, um, that is not typical. That's not even enough time to get out your sticky notes. <laughs> yeah. So something <laughs> like that, it's, there's less planning involved with it. There's still planning involved, but generally that's more of a software type thing. Okay. Whereas something like I need to go rebuild a piece of this instrument is a many months process and has thousands of tasks that include what I would call maybe like a soft task that's I can do it anywhere that I have my laptop versus a hard task that I have to be in my basement standing in front of a milling machine to do. Okay. Okay. And that is where for me, the project management gets difficult is those two extremes of how I have to work. Because you have, I mean, isn't there some kind of Mac thing? Isn't it called tasks or something like that or to do or something uh, so there's reminders, but I don't use that. Okay. All right. Because, you know, those little things that, you know, when you're, and this is my very intricate notebook system of, you know, remind myself, oh, hey, this would be a cool thing to do for the third week of camp, you know, and like, where does that make it back into the big overarching, like project planning, you know? Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> and and I think what you're doing is a lot of the same. So there are things like, ordering supplies, Mm -hmm. 
or arranging, you know, making sure everybody has their paperwork in that you can do on your laptop at a coffee shop. And then there are things that you can't do on a laptop at a coffee shop, like discuss an outcrop. Right. Yeah, exactly. Or even, you know, the the pre before that, just like counting and checking all the buttons and the GPSs and all the actual physical things that we have to take too, you know, and it's, Difficult enough yourself, but you, you're you having this problem too. Well, I don't know if it's a problem, but you have this consideration too, is that, you know, I have changing every year, changing TAs that need to know these things as well. So we're all on the same page with, you know, what equipment's been loaded, what we still need to get and things like that. So how do you keep not only yourself on track, but everyone involved in the project on track? That is the hard part. So, <laughs> so I used to use OmniFocus to keep track of tasks. And then anything that was not a discrete task, like maybe something that, oh, somebody told me this thing that I should go do, you know, during the third week of field camp, let's say. Mm-hmm. That would go in a file for that project that was a tickler folder, which means, you know, every week I open up the tickler folder and I leaf through it and I say, oh, yeah. This person told me about that. I need to I need to figure out what I'm going to do with that piece of information. Okay. All right. And so then you would like file it into like a week three, blah, 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 if you think it's viable, right? Right. Okay. So that worked great. And I used OmniFocus for the better part of a decade. Oh, I feel like this is going to take a sad turn right now. Uh, well, the sad turn is for years and years, they've promised team collaboration features and they just released or they released the beta. I think the new version might be out to the public when this airs of OmniFocus and there's still no collaboration. Oh, that's really so sad. So I would have to use, and now with my business and at work during my day job, I work with teams now. Okay. So I was having to say, okay, we have this project management system, be it Asana or be it, you know, just GitHub issues or whatever that the team looks at. And then I would have to duplicate. I would say, okay, they've assigned me these three bugs. Now I have to copy and paste those into my task system. Mm, Okay. And then I do them in there and then I check them off and then I go back to get it. It was a pain. It was horrible. Right. And there was no way for me to comment and say, Hey, coworker, what's the status of this without starting a massive email chain? Right. Yeah. And that's a whole nother show of what you do with emails, right? Yeah. And then it's like, well, how do I keep track of the pieces of this project that somebody else is supposed to be doing? Because they're not my tasks. So they don't go in my task. It was, it became a real pain point probably in the last three months or so. Okay. Have you fixed it? Uh, Mostly. Okay, good, because this was going to be a short show if you hadn't. (laughs) Uh, Asana. Um, I didn't need... Okay, that's interesting, because I didn't even think about the whole... Like, you've already got this personal thing set up, which I guess is kind of how, like, my bullet journal is. You know, like, that's my personal thing. I guess I didn't even think about how do you... Like, do you write everything down twice? Yeah, okay. All right, so Asana, that's your fix? Yeah, so I've got workspaces in Asana, which is an online project slash task tool. Uh, 
and so I have a personal workspace where all my personal stuff is like, oh, I need to, I need to fix my deck. So, okay, tasks in there. I got to go to Home Depot and I got to buy, buy a certain kind of board, this concrete board, and I got to buy the blade to cut it. And so those are all tasks in there. Mm-hmm. So that would be my personal one. Then I have one for my company that has all the projects that we have going right now. And it also has a list, one project that is just potential ideas. That's lists of things that we might pursue or look at. And then I have one for work where I can work with my coworkers. So far, it's a really great system. Really? Yeah. Okay. And if you pay for the professional version, uh, which is, I think it works out to about a buck a day. Um, you get this timeline tool, which we're just starting to explore, which sounds like it would be good for you, where you can say, like, these tasks depend on these others, and it helps you make a, kind of an interactive Gantt chart for the project. Ooh. Okay. And you can assign things to people off the Gantt chart, and they can comment and say, oh, I'm going to need another, you know, two or three days on this, or this is done early, and the Gantt chart will kind of intelligently update. And it's, it's an interesting project. Uh, that system. is very interesting. Yeah, that's a lot better than whiteboard notes to my TAs who might or might not walk by the whiteboard. <laughs> right. And <laughs> I don't use all of the features for my business mm-hmm. because on a lot of our projects, things like Gantt charts are purely fantastical. Okay. Uh, <laughs> You know, it comes out to, we estimate this is going to take us four months to complete. But saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to have this this thing designed and the firmware written for it, eh, that'll take me, you know, 10 days. That okay. is generally not, not dead on. <laughs> yeah. For the project length, I think we generally do a pretty good job of estimating it. And sometimes it's a constrained project like Field Camp. There is right. a start and an end date that is set. Yeah. But do you really know if, you know, by this date you're going to have the food vendor all set up? Yeah. Or might it slip two days later because they don't call you back? Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's where it's a little less useful for me. But in terms of task tracking, I think it's great. But it's not a project management system, purely. Okay. Well, it sounded like it was. What do you mean? (laughs) So the thing that's missing is what do you do with documents? Okay. Mm-hmm. What do you do with documents? What do you do with meeting notes, the paper trail that you keep? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because they don't live in here. They're not tasks. They're not things that you check off and they're done. It doesn't have, and it doesn't have any like compatibility with like, here's the Google Drive button. No. Oh. So you can you can put links in there. Like you could say this task links to this Google document. Right. But the Google document is going to keep living when the task is done. Okay. Ideally. All right. Gotcha. Hmm. So right. that's the pain point. And I found a really great blog post from, uh, rediscovered it actually, when I was going through some of my stuff in Pocket earlier this week, uh, from Alicia over at Embedded.fm. Okay. And in it, she talked about her notebooks and she gets these bound, uh, you know, uh, graph paper. There we go. That's the word graph paper notebooks. 
that you're, you're so far removed from textile products. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she had some requirements. One of them was they're not spiral bound because I don't want to rip things out. And I want the pages to be bigger than an eight and a half by 11 because I want to be able to tape an eight and a half by 11 into this notebook. Oh, okay. Um, and so she's got these notebooks that she really likes. Each new client gets an, a notebook. Oh. And that is there. On the right side, she keeps somewhat official notes. And then the left side is scratch. And she also tracks her time in it. Okay. Yeah. I really like that, except for the fact that with four to six projects sometimes, depending on how big they all are, that is a lot of paper to carry around yeah. if I have to travel somewhere. <laughs> See, this is what I feel like too, because I that's kind of where I'm at, because I, I subscribe to these little... Uh, this thing called field notes and they're these little I don't know what the actual dimensions are sometimes they vary but you know they're like four by three and a half notebooks and so like I have an assigned one for each thing so like my bullet journal is kind of the the bigger thing like if I'm I carry that around everywhere but then I wind up transcribing stuff from that into each of these little notebooks so like I have a field camp notebook you know I have a teaching notebook I have a research ideas notebook stuff like that and it's the whole portability of it that isn't working like i hoped it would right and in an ideal world you would say you know today i am working on project x yes and so i'm going to carry project x notebook and that is great until customer y calls and wants to know where they stand <laughs> and you go i don't have that information with me i have to call you back this evening yeah mm-hmm yeah. Um, that's a problem. Alicia also had a notebook for personal stuff that she said is a journal of random, you know, that there may be garden plans next to a recipe, next to weekend plans, next to house renovations and roof receipts. Mm -hmm. And I like that. The, my other problem with paper, though, is all it takes is one spark in a trash can and... <laughs> That yeah. whole bookshelf is gone. I, I think that that was always my problem with digital, right? But the way that digital stuff works now, I mean, 100 bucks for a terabyte on Dropbox a year is nothing, right? Um, yeah. So that problem's kind of gone. And I don't know if I'm just still stuck with the paper thing. But, I mean, I still, I don't put my calendar, my calendar isn't digital, you know, I still carry around a big old planner. So I, I don't I don't know how I feel about the digital planning versus not I mean for the personal stuff, but I mean like projects where you're sharing with people, you have to be digital. I don't think there's a way around it, right? No, I don't think so. And you know, also I will be that crazy person that Someday in the future when we sell this house, I hand somebody a flash drive and say, you know, here's the receipt for everything I ever did to this house. <laughs> I know you will. That's beautiful. <laughs> so I, I like that. And a lot of my projects have, you know, one instrument that I just worked on. I think we had 74 different components on the board 
And each one of those has a data sheet that ranges from two to 50 pages. Oh, wow. Okay. And in fact, the processor data sheet's like 700. So <laughs> I, I needed to keep all those documents together with this project. I'm not going to print that out because I don't need to refer to that. And I need it to be searchable. Right. Mm-hmm. Because in a 700-page document, I want to be able to quickly search and find something. Right, exactly. So there's a there's a hard balance there. I like the paper because I like looking away from the screen. Sometimes I like pulling out a pad and scratching something out. Just you know, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this quick calculation back of the envelope and see mm-hmm. where we are on this. Right. I feel weird doing that in a digital notebook. Yes. I bet you don't feel weird doing it on your iPad, though. So that's the hybrid solution. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some people, when I was Googling around about this, knowing this is sort of what you wanted to talk about, <laughs> that like at the end of every week, they do paper notebooks. They have one paper notebook, but at the end of every week, they go through and they scan each page and put it in the appropriate digital. No- that sounds horrible. <laughs> And this is about where I stopped with Evernote because they have that capability too. And I thought, I don't know if that's something I could actually keep up with. Yeah. And once you don't keep up with it, then it's all downhill. Right. Exactly. Because when you can't trust the system, you're done. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Exactly. So my current experiment is with OneNote. Yeah, and I keep saying I'm going to make that jump, and I have a whole bunch of lists where I've started stuff, but I haven't actually, like, started to coalesce into notebooks yet. I'm assuming you've gotten farther than I have, though. A little bit. So when I planned the techniques of geophysics, uh, experimental geophysics class that I taught Mm -hmm. back at Penn State, Mm -hmm. I actually planned that whole course in OneNote as a test. Okay, and I have seen this before. Um some of my colleagues who don't use textbooks and they have their whole course in OneNote and I am so impressed with it. I was really impressed. That was the thing that I'm like, okay, I'm done with, you know, I'm done with Evernote. I'm not going to pay for their premium services. I'm going to go to OneNote because I mean, the level of detail in those notebooks was really impressive. Right. And if you subscribe to Office 365, so you get Word and Excel and all that, you get one note and a terabyte of storage for free with that subscription. Yeah, and and we have like an additional ridiculous amount um, when you're signed in through the university as well on the Microsoft the OneDrive. And the notebooks are shareable, which was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Because Google Docs, while great, <laughs> it's not it's not for finished products. Correct. Yeah. And having a bunch of text files or Google Drive documents uh, in some kind of folder structure for a large project just sounds crazy making. Hey, yeah. Uh-huh. I started that once and I aborted it very quickly <laughs> because even I knew that that was not going to happen for me. So, okay. I'm glad to hear you say that as well. So the... I'm just getting started with moving a couple of my upcoming projects into OneNote. Okay. Because I'm I'm not going to go through and backport all of my stuff into that. That would be crazy. (laughs) 
Uh, but one interesting thing I'm trying is I've made, so you have notebooks and then you have uh, dividers or sections that are kind of like tabs in your mm-hmm. notebook. Right. One of those tabs is called scratch. And any day that I want to just, you know, quickly scratch out an equation or make a note to myself or whatever, it goes in there. So that's a place that I can feel free to put whatever in. It doesn't have to be well-constructed and make sense. But then there's another section. It's like development notes that Ah. has to be, you know, cogent. Right, right. Okay. That's okay. That's cool. Are they all like, what does the interface look like with all of the things? Like, could you manage multiple projects and not lose details in OneNote? Yes. I would not use it as a task manager because it's not really built for that. Okay. But I would use it as my external brain to store all of the things. So is that... Go ahead. So is that where you're at right now then? One note with Asana? Yes. Hmm. So one note would store, you know, when I was sitting there typing up requirements for a piece of software. And then those requirements would be translated into tasks that would go into Asana. OneNote would hold all of the hundreds of pages of reference documentation that go with that project. Those never make it to Asana. OneNote would hold all of the, you know, longhand math that I did to try to figure out what the heck this piece of software was doing to your data. But that doesn't go in Asana because they're not tasks. That's just my notes for... At some point, if the customer comes back and says, how did you do this? I can go find that, make ah. it a PDF, and send it to them. Okay, gotcha. Um, and so if you had multiple people on your Asana project, you could share that OneNote notebook with them through OneNote as well? Yes. Ah, okay. So two separate things. One for what do I need to do, and the other for what do I need to do that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll see. Um, That's where I'm standing right now. Just because it is cross-platform, it's Mac, it's Windows, and it's iOS. The iOS version is really nice. Mm -hmm. I can use my Apple Pencil in it. That's one bad thing about DevonThink was I could not use my Apple Pencil. And when I asked them, will you please make some updates so I can use my Apple Pencil, the reply was, maybe one day. <laughs> Which really means that's too hard. <laughs> so that was unfortunate. Uh, the thing I don't like so much about OneNote is there's not just a behind this tab, let me dump a bunch of files. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I have, you know, 20 PDFs that I want to put in my data sheet section. Well, I have to create a page, like a notebook page. And then you can either insert the PDFs where the pages show up individually, or it's just an icon that you can click on. Okay. So what I've been doing is grouping it. Like I'll make a heading that says, you know, these are this type of document. And then I have a bunch of little icons under it. Okay. Not ideal, but it works. Yeah. A workaround that's not. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's not bad. I don't Um, know what I'll do for, you know, like my bills and that kind of thing. Because my DevonThink database has, you know, every electric bill I've paid for the last five years, probably. (laughs) And so I'm not sure how to organize that yet. (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, that's, that's, 
Hmm, that's interesting. Okay, so on this Asana thing, it's do you just use the free version then, or do you guys pay for the updated stuff or the you know premium? So at the day job we pay. Okay. For the premium. I currently don't pay for the premium for my company, though that's probably going to change shortly. Okay. So you like it enough that, yes, you think that's worth it. Right. Okay. All right. I talked to some people who run, you know, projects with groups of people. And I asked about Asana, because you and I had talked about this a long time ago. Um and they said that they just find that Slack does what they want to do. You know, I like Slack for communicating with people, but it's not a to-do list. I know, and I thought that was really interesting. I mean, Slack does have sort of some little kind of to-do list, right? But it's nothing that you, like, share. It's just kind of a page where you can write some stuff down, right? Right. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting, and I, because, you know, so many people are using Asana, and then this group, who is really productive, like, it's, it's a smaller group of, like, five or six people, and, you know, they have tons of different projects where different people are, like, the leads, and different people are responsible for different things within each project, and so I thought that was really interesting, but the thing that I think keeps them from moving to a larger project management software is the fact that they all work together with their desks right next to each other every day. That makes a big difference. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's the only thing that I've identified as to because these people are on top of it, like technologically speaking, like they're always into the new cool thing. And, and yeah, and they're still just using Slack. And I think that's why is because they can physically talk to each other about it right then. Like there's no need for the repository, you know, because someone has it and it's always available right at the desk next to you. Well, and a lot of people I think have kind of a shadow system, which is what I am desperately trying to avoid. Uh, Okay. You know, while at work we use ShareSheet or name any other project management, task management type utility. Mm -hmm. Right. And But that has my work stuff in it. But then I have this other system that I move that into to prioritize it or combine yeah. it with personal tasks. And I, I don't want any part of that. <laughs> oh, see, and I think that's kind of where I'm faltering a little bit too because I had a Microsoft account before I started to want to do this stuff. And so, you know, I've got an, a school Microsoft account, Office 365, and then a personal. And there's no way to merge that stuff. And so that's kind of where I'm stuck as well. You know, you might email support because I was in a similar situation with Autodesk and I emailed them. And even though it's not, there's not a way to do it on the website, they were able to behind the scenes do some, some voodoo on their database and merge. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe that is because I I actually got on some forums, which God knows I never do. Um, (laughs) And they're like, yeah, there's no way to just tell them to merge. But I guess that's probably, I mean, I'm not the only person that has this problem, I'm sure. So you know. Okay. That's a good idea. Hmm. I don't know. The last time you told me to call support, they laughed at how old my equipment was. So I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> oh, this is the GPS incident. <laughs> yes. The infamous GPS incident. <laughs> that was, you know, six years ago. Uh, I still use that 
original Etrex GPS. I hope somebody else does, and they call in some hate mail to you for making fun of it. <laughs> I, I believe that they do demonstrations at the Museum of uh, <laughs> Computer Technology. <laughs> Look, you want to know where you are? It'll tell you where you are. There's no backlit, backlit map or anything cool like that, but <laughs> Latin long, it's all over it. <laughs> okay. But it's, hmm. That's sort of... That's sort of where I am right now. I don't like it because I love, you know, having nice big paper notebooks, but that's just not practical for me right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I, I'm going to try to keep my hybrid system because I just can't give that up, but I think I'm going to move more of my work things to... I guess I'm probably going to use OneNote so I can like share stuff with my TAs. So there's never a question of, you know, hey, have you done this thing that one of us was supposed to do, you know? So that isn't a problem anymore, you know? Yeah, and so I I will say too, I still take paper notes during meetings a lot of time. Just so no one thinks you're on Facebook while you're... <laughs> There's that, and there's also the fact that half the time after the meeting, I can look at the paper notes and say, okay, I have three definite tasks from this. The rest of it, I don't need. And then you just throw it away? And then I recycle it. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> there's no reason for me to be able to go back and look at staff notes from eight months ago, the staff meeting notes. It just, there's no need. Yeah, see, and that's where, that's, yeah, with these these bullet journals are going to start to stack up. And I guess the way I have it now, you know, there's really important stuff in there right next to junk that, exactly, that I'll never need again. You know, junk that shouldn't have even gotten its own page, but somehow it did. And so I don't, I you know, they've got a very intricate index system. And so I'm hoping that saves me, but I think if it starts to take up too much shelf space, I might shockingly make the total switch over. Yeah, I'm interested to see what you do. Um, another one of the products that people will probably have heard of or maybe even use is Trello. Okay, I haven't heard of that one. So it is, in, in Asana, you can have projects that are either boards with cards that you move okay or as a list and each item can have subtasks which is kind of nice uh so you know if, if one of your field camp tasks was order food for the first week there might be some subtasks under that it doesn't make sense to have each of them as a separate thing okay so okay. you can do that on either way mm -hmm. but in the list view it's just a list in the card view, it's a card that you can move from, you know, like backlog to active or to waiting or to a done column. You know, you can have different uh, columns. Ah, uh, okay. Mm -hmm. Trello is just the cards. See, this is really interesting because this is the, the book that I have next to me with my project management thing that I wanted to discuss that we've sort of touched on everything is the card thing. It's definitely the cards of like, you know, who's responsible for this. And it's it's kind of a breakdown of the, you know, smart goals, which I'm sure you've you've heard of. Oh, yes. We yeah, I, I, I was in a meeting recently with 
some HR people and we talked all about smart goals. <laughs> yeah, so it's like that with the cards. Okay, so that's what Trello does then, huh? Or you can and make it do. So Trello only does cards and Asana will do cards or a list. Okay. Um, the thing that I seemed to kind of land on and other people seem to have as well is if you are more of the analytical scientific type thinker, you'll probably like Asana more. Oh, okay. If you're more of the artsy person, you're probably going to like Trello more. But you like Mac more and you're an artsy person. Oh, wait, no, sorry. You saw the light. I forgot. Okay. <laughs> so I, I think I could be happy with either. But Asana, another big thing was they have a programming interface. And one of my colleagues wrote a robot that uh, takes things from GitHub and makes them tasks in Asana and assigns them. And gotcha. So it's very flexible that way. And I could see doing some more bots uh, eventually to help automate more of the steps. Hey, I just saw this thing in here that says that you can actually integrate Slack and Trello together, though. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe, and, and like the other thing for me for the business was Asana will integrate with my accounting software. That's probably a big deal. <laughs> Yes, so I can I can receive invoices from subcontractors, issue invoices, and tie them all to tasks. It's it's a really nice integration for me. Ah, interesting. Okay. Hmm. I think I might look into this Trello thing because I've kind of got a little my little dominion of grad students are on Slack. So, huh. Well, I guess we can have this discussion in another, you know, six months to a year and uh we can compare them see who's still going you know and it's fun to see how we've bounced around over the last few years yes of different things and the one thing that i'm very nervous about with OneNote uh-huh. is you can get all of your stuff out as a pdf but i don't know what happens to the files that you have embedded in there oh okay because after the bad experience of roach motel of data with evernote (laughs) yeah Yeah. and the migration process from that being so horrible yeah the good news is OneNote's been around for a very long time exactly Mm -hmm. so yeah we'll see we'll see where we are in a few months i think yeah well you know thanks for going through that with me but i'm really excited now like i feel like i need to have these conversations when i feel my motivation slacking a little bit um because i always get really excited about other people's ideas about how to do things and how i can incorporate it you know into my project management stuff and so i've already got trello you know signed up right here ready to go as soon as we're done talking (laughs) Nice. (laughs) And I hadn't heard of it 10 minutes ago. (laughs) So, yeah, sweet. Um, I can't wait to hear about if anyone else has other things to add to this or different programs we might not even know exist. Well, you might not know exist. I might not know exist. You, I'm sure, know. But, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Okay, great. All right. Well, and actually, you know, it's funny that we're talking about this because one of my (laughs) boards in Asana is for this podcast. And (laughs) one of the columns is all about everybody's favorite segment of the show. Fun Paper Friday. Yay. (laughs) That was a nice segue. That was a good job. (laughs) 
Yeah. I actually need to get, I actually need to share that board with you so you can join in the fun of scheduling guests. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you probably should. Um, I'm, and plus, then we won't find the same fun papers all the time, which happens. Um, it's true. I'm super excited about today's fun paper because I've actually already read it, which is shocking because of other podcasts that I've listened to. So I don't know how you got a hold of it. I got a hold of it through the usual ways of, making obscure Google searches that would make my history seem very strange. Uh, I love it. So the paper is Navigation-Related Structural Change in the Hippocampi of Taxi Drivers by McGuire et al. I mean, number one, Hippocampi. That's beautiful. It's true. Uh, This is a super cool study that was done on these London taxi drivers to look at if their parts of the hippocampus are different in these taxi drivers who have to have this really extensive knowledge base that we'll get into versus just regular people. And can you tell that based on this whole set of MRIs? And it turns out that yes, their brains are different. It's super neat. It is. And so London taxi drivers have to go through a pretty, rigorous training program and then a very difficult police issued test to be a cabbie and they're they call this going on the knowledge (laughs) and it it lasts anywhere from about 10 months to a couple of years depending on how quickly you pick it up and how much time you're putting on to being on the knowledge right um i've heard that this test is insane and it has to do with getting to different places like all i mean london's huge and so they have to know everything without being able to use a map or anything like that like they have to just know it which is insane but it also explains why there might actually be differences in their brain related to spatial reasoning because they have to have this at their disposal all the time as compared to your Uber driver that yeah. <laughs> picks you up, presses the button, and they do exactly what it says on the screen. Right. Exactly. Well, man, they're not they're not stretching their brains like these London taxi drivers are. Because that's what I thought. I was like, my gosh. Like, they don't talk about the test uh, so much in here. But when they talked about it on this podcast, it was very intense. Oh, yes. And there are lots of little streets and shortcuts and... <laughs> Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. Um, But this is really cool. Also, what I thought was cool was the range of experience in the drivers, too, right? You know, some of them, it took a short time for them to do it. Some of them, it took longer. And then they have a very representative um, population of these cab drivers as well. Right. So they only got (laughs) right-handed male taxi drivers with no other physical issues. And they had to be between 32 and 62 years of age. And they had to be driving a cab for more than a year and a half. And so that gave them a range of a year and a half to 42 years of experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and I, thought it, I thought it was interesting that they found it necessary to control for the handedness. I thought so, too. And I was like, well, I mean, that makes sense, right? Because if you're talking about different parts of the brain, you don't want to have to how do you remove for the right-handed versus left-handed? Cause it's a totally different control. Right. And so then for their control group, 
they got 16 more people that had the exact same age distribution but yeah. weren't cabbies. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. And they said that they were also very careful to ensure an even spread of subjects in each decade. I thought that was great. Even though they wound <laughs> up throwing this poor guy out that had 42 years of experience as a cabbie because he was such an outlier. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, poor guy. <laughs> But yeah, so, I mean, they scanned the hippocampus of, or hippocampi of these people, right? Because the thought is, can your brain react plastically, right? Can you make different parts of your brain while you're learning things or while you're using certain things? So in this case, the spatial knowledge of these taxi drivers you know, does that change with how much you use it? Or is it just sort of you're only able to get this much capacity and that's it, right? Or can you actually plastically change everything? And so, like, one of those, one of the things they talk about is the volume of the hippocampi between, you know, the taxi drivers and the controls, which, like, the overall volume is fairly similar. And I thought that was very interesting. What was even more interesting, though, was the distribution of the gray matter in that volume was different. Yes, exactly. So it's the same size. Okay, great. But what parts of it are working are totally different versus taxi drivers and the control. And what was really crazy to me is with MRIs, we can do all of this automatically now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. That's really weird. Yeah. So (laughs) they saw that part of the hippocampus was enlarged based on if you're a cabbie or not. And so then the question came up of, well, what about how long you've been a cabbie? Yeah, this was crazy. (laughs) Yeah. So it is about as linear as you'll ever see in a medical study. I know. Uh, Number one, I figure you're going to go crazy over these Excel plots. (laughs) But yes, but yeah, like they didn't even have to make the scale logarithmic to make it make it work. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is crazy. So there's this correlation of the volume change with their experience, except for this guy who's been a cabbie for 40 years. With their experience as a taxi driver. This is unbelievable. And what it really looks like to me, okay, maybe if you had more samples, it would really be linear. Yeah. But with the limited number of samples they have, it sure looks like that you gain a lot of knowledge initially, and then you plateau for quite a while. Uh, yeah. You know, order of 100 months. Mm-hmm. And then you begin to gain more. Yeah. I bet that would look different with with a larger group. It's true, but that, I mean, it's a limited data set. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, how many right-handed male taxi drivers are there in London? <laughs> Surely there's more than 16. They, they, well, I guess with no under underlying medical conditions. So, Which that not. does apply a, you know, nonlinear filter across age. Right. Yeah, exactly. So maybe not. But, um... Yeah, this is really interesting. And it's actually, and I don't know if it's, it's not really stated in this study, but I, in the podcast, they talked about how 
they've also, I don't know if this is something else they've looked at or something someone else has looked at, is that they've said that that change in the shape or the distribution of the gray matter within the hippocampus of people who were taxi drivers and then quit, it goes away. It goes back to a normal distribution looking. Wow. So yeah, th- this particular part of the hippocampus, it's the posterior hippocampal volume. And uh-huh. it appears to be pretty much your brain using physical space to build up a spatial map that yeah. you can access. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's weird. That's so weird. It is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want to do it. <laughs> I look at a lot of maps. I, want, I need to know. <laughs> there you go. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see, well, geologists and geophysicists are very good with spatial reasoning. We have mm-hmm. to be. Yes. Yeah, you do have to be. Are, are they or, you know, people that do engineering and other things that require a lot of spatial work, are their brains different as well? Yeah, I think that would be a really cool follow-up study. Yeah. So if you have an estimate of your posterior hippocampal volume from your last MRI <laughs> or any other data related to that, we would love to hear it for the study that we are compiling. Uh, <laughs> Shannon, how can they get a hold of us? Uh, you can add to our Asana worksheet that we're sharing with everybody, right? Um, <laughs> show at don'tpanicgeocast.com. Uh, you can always talk to us on Slack. We're in the software underground on the Don't Panic channel, and we're on Twitter. Together, we're at Don't Panic Geo. I'm at Shannon Doolin. John is at Geo underscore Lehman. And we'd like to thank all of our Patreon supporters. And if you're looking for somewhere to throw all that extra tax return you have, uh, you can give it to us at patreon.com slash don't panic geo. And until next week, remember, don't panic. It's not an exact science. Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed are solely ours and do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers or funding agencies. 